0: Emotions are just data. This is the price of living. The price of living is reward or threat. This is the price of living. But emotional reasoning is about what would be an intelligent response. This is the price of living. But emotional reasoning is about you heard, understood, listen to them. So that the longer we continue to experience this, you're actually coming out on top. This is the price of living. Sort of incorporate them as a daily routine give them some time to work this is the price of living i, I, I would say here are some three key questions that you should ask yourself it's reward or threat something that's working well should produce noticeable benefits over a period of say two to three weeks questions you should ask yourself
1: what is it that i'm actually looking for
0: Do we really know
1: life but let me say intelligence. Emotional intelligence, social intelligence, financial intelligence.
0: So I believe it's important for each and every one of us to understand the rules that govern any arena of your life.
1: You are listening to The Revenge of the Forsaken Gods, a podcast that explores a human experience and seeks to create a blueprint for a living using books, stories, movies, and conversations. And here is your host, Andrew Balongo O'Pere. Today I'm excited with the guest that I have. He is a communications consultant with Public Image Africa. He's a Geno-certified emotional intelligence practitioner. And also he is a keynote speaker and corporate host for launches, conferences, and team building sessions. The first time I met him, he came off as a charming, charismatic, and caring individual. Charismatic with the way he took command of the room, charming, you could see that he cares for people and he had the message and the content, and caring because he gave his time to anyone who approached him after the conference. And now I am glad to introduce my guest to you, Derek Banga, and that's with a double B. Hello, Derek. How are you? Andrew, thank you for that introduction. I'm doing great. I'm actually thriving
0: with my lockdown. (laughs) I'm sure we're going to talk about that.
1: Yes, yes. In fact, that's a challenge for everyone since now, uh, you know, this coronavirus having turned into a pandemic is a new experience for a lot of us in this generation and time. And there's a lot of confusion. People are scared. We don't know what to do. The information that's coming out from the media and government is don't do this, don't do that but it's not really giving us information on what we need to do. And uh, especially for you as a communications consultant and uh, emotional intelligence practitioner, go a little bit into that. So you work for Public Image Africa. Talk yes, to me a little that's bit about right. that.
0: The Public Image Africa is a company I co-founded with my business partner and uh, we're an organization that for the last several years have been working mainly with professional clients to increase their earning potential. And we do that by enhancing, developing, or specializing on their communication skills, their soft skills, their executive presence. And it's really about helping them to be seen, to be heard, and to be remembered for the right reasons, so that they can become more
1: successful. Wow, that's pretty powerful and I'm thinking that's in fact needed in this time. So in fact, I would be curious, how would you, let's say if you had a case study of how the government is your client, maybe what would be some tips you would give them in this situation?
0: Well, this is about communication during a time of crisis. That's fundamental. And communicating during a time of crisis is probably one of the most important things that any government can do. You talked about it in your intro. People are confused. People don't know where to turn for the right information. The government needs to be able to communicate and provide a steady hand, a source of regular, concise, precise information a source of being able to rally a nation together. And we're all in this together as a nation, we're all in this together as a globe. Uh, So this is absolutely an important and critical part that the nation plays. And particularly here in Kenya, where you have parts of this country where they have no idea about how this pandemic is unfolding, what you need to do. So, the role of the government cannot be overstated.
1: That's very true. And especially because you can see there's, the government needs to communicate, but also at the same time, media is giving a lot of information, some which is helpful and not helpful. And I can see how sometimes media might impact the ability of government to function in its communication.
0: Well, we're talking about trust here. Yes with media giving all sorts of information, and media tend to be on the side of sort of blowing things up, making things seem worse than they truly are. Again, I'm not condemning the media uh, or putting a blanket condemnation, but typically the media's role, in order for them to get eyeballs, is to to give worst case scenarios. The government, on the other hand, should provide calm, candid, reasoned, empathetic, and most importantly, be a source of trust. So that can be sort of a counter-narrative, particularly when the media tends to overblow, put things out of proportion.
1: And in fact, that's the, one of the main reasons uh, I invited you for this session because you are certified by Genos as an emotional intelligence practitioner. And I believe in this time, we do need emotional intelligence, but this is not something we are taught in school by our parents. So please talk a little bit more about what is this being a Genos certified emotional intelligence practitioner?
0: Well, uh, Genos is a Australian-based company although they have operations all over the world. And uh, they, or we specialize in helping people apply their emotional intelligence to their work, to their well-being, and relationships. And one of the things that Genos does is to help all of our clients around the world be able to go through their day a little bit better by being able to have intelligent responses to the emotions, to the feelings, even the mood that we feel. Actually, that's the definition that we use at GEMAS. There's a lot of research on, for example, psychological health. Yes. And just like cardiovascular health research has resulted in a wide number of strategies to improve uh, sort of cardiovascular health, these strategies can readily be applied to also improve psychological health. That's what we're talking about here with uh, the emotional intelligence.
1: Okay, and uh, what are these uh, strategies, psychological strategies?
0: So at journals, particularly if we can zero in on some of the things that we are going through today, particularly with this pandemic, we're talking about four major proactive strategies that can be used to enhance the well-being. We talk about thinking strategies. Now, these are sort of Janos terms, but um, I'm sure through this conversation, we'll go through them. We talk about physical strategies. We talk about relationship strategies and environmental. Okay. So those are the four main strategies that we talk about. But even before we get into that, we at Janos have what we call a model of emotional intelligence that we help people apply. Okay. And this model of emotional intelligence has six key areas that we focus on. So we focus on self-awareness, so building self-awareness. We call these core emotional intelligence competencies. Building self-awareness, awareness of others, authenticity, emotional reasoning, Self management and something we call positive influence. Mm. The ones that I want to focus on, I think, today are self
1: management. Yes.
0: So, those four key areas that I was talking about fall under this area of self management, which really is about. Becoming a little bit more resilient, particularly, as you said, during this time of confusion, possibly yes. stress and not knowing where to turn. Yes. And also developing a little bit of self-awareness.
1: Okay. I think, yeah, those, uh, those are two good points. And what about, uh, you know, emotional reasoning? So emotional reasoning
0: is, get, is, is great. And when we talk about emotional reasoning, you know, it's not about running away from these feelings of confusion or feelings anxiousness, Mm. feelings of uncertainty, because this is all data. Emotions are just data. This is the price of living. You are going to experience those things consciously or subconsciously. But emotional reasoning is about now being able to use a perhaps more intelligent way of responding to, Mm. you know, let's say the feeling of anxiousness. So if you're feeling anxious, you can choose to Power, hide, retreat, or you can choose to perhaps be a little bit more proactive. We both have the same feeling, but two people can choose different ways or different ways to respond to it. And studies have shown that there may be th- these strategies, it's, it's about perhaps using strategies that you may not have used before, particularly now that we're here, you know, we're stuck indoors, most of us and to stop and reflect on how they're working for you or how they're making you feel. Starting that's working well should produce noticeable benefits over a period of say two to three weeks. Okay. Or might uplift your mood, you know, two, three, four, who knows, 5%, helping you feel more relaxed, more at ease. This is what we're talking about here. And to sort of incorporate them as a daily routine, give them some time to work, have them as part of a reflective practice. Uh, So that the longer we continue to experience this, you're actually coming out on top.
1: Okay. I can hear what you're saying, but let's put it as a practical scenario. Let's say John or Jane comes to you, just like you mentioned, this is a highly stressful situation. So my primary way that I've been taught by my environment is to hide. If this thing is bigger than me to handle it, so I'll either stay at home. Okay. I have no option, but stay at home. Or you know, drink or, you know, find self-soothing because I have no way to really confront this thing. And you mentioned that you can either choose to have that method of dealing with it or you can be proactive. Would you mind giving John or Jane some examples of how to be proactive? I can deal with this into a practice since that's not common.
0: Okay, so let's, for example, look at this feeling of anxiousness. Okay, the first thing whenever an event occurs around us, the first thing that happens is a set of areas in our brain, collective known as the emotional brain, look at that event and determine whether it's useful for us or not useful. So whether the event is friendly or unfriendly. In fact, it's just a brain's way of sort of preserving us as a species. In layman's terms, it's reward or threat. Now, I won't go into the science of how our emotional brain links to our prefrontal cortex, which then helps us determine our decision or behavior. But what happens is that automatically and without awareness, this positive or negative emotion that we feel in our emotional brain automatically connects to our so-called thinking brain or the prefrontal cortex. And then this helps us determine whether we are going to make a decision that is either... Uh, you know any sort of decision based on how we're feeling so for example uh if you've been feeling anxious or uncertain okay maybe the response is to i don't know go out and start panic buying of of, of goods or when people feel stressed they become aggressive okay so this is an example that you used yes or when they feel anxious they can become reactive mm. Or, you know, or when people feel worried, they become problem-focused and sort of start feeding on their own anxiety and fears. Or they feel fearful and then they start sort of blaming the government or blaming the authorities.
1: Yeah, they didn't shut down these airplanes when they should have, you know? Exactly.
0: So what we're saying here is that uh, we need to start perhaps using some of these proactive strategies that I alluded to earlier in order to help us manage... What automatically is, is, is how our brains are going to work. You know, we feel anxious, we act this way. We feel stressed, we become aggressive. Yeah. So an example. So let's go into uh, one of the thinking strategies, for example.
1: Okay? Yes. okay.
0: All of this information that we're feeding off of comes from where? Our devices. Mainly. <laughs> yes. With social media. So what would be an intelligent response? How about limit the amount of time you spend on your phone or your TV or into those feeds that are giving us sort of a lot of this information that's making us feel negative. So practically one of the things that I've done, albeit I did this earlier, was to cut off one of my social media feeds, Instagram, because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have another source of people giving me information that would make me overly worried. Yes. So creating those, those kind of boundaries, for example. Uh, I talked a little bit about, we were talking about thinking strategies over here. Of course, as I mentioned, this thinking, is physical, there's environmental. But the thinking strategy, for example, is balancing the source of this information that we're getting. So yes, a lot of the information that we're getting is sort of negative. It is information that is making us fearful. But did you know that there are feeds channels out there, for example, one called the Good News Network, That only provides information that is uplifting.
1: So they talk about
0: uplifting stories to do with people who have recovered, uplifting stories to do with doctors who are battling this. So that sort of perspective taking, balancing, if you will, is a good way to, as I said, calm (laughs) the racing mind.
1: Oh, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know about it. That's the first time I'm hearing about it. The Good News Network. Yes. <laughs> and so how does this tie in towards uh, self-management and self-awareness?
0: So when we talk about self-management and self-awareness, so self-management is just simply balancing the highs and the lows, even without you know what we're going through today. There are going to be days when you are... Uh, there are going to be days, good days, there'll be bad days. So it's managing the highs and the lows, so that you're a little bit more even-keeled. You're on the top with the good days, and you don't plummet to the depths of despair. The days or the, the times that are a little bit rough, like what we're going through. Finding ways that you can balance this out. With the awareness, self-awareness, it's just figure out what's, what's happening at the moment. And particularly what's happening at the moment with your brain so you're feeling stressful or anxious why are you feeling that and the, and the root of it so okay I'm really stressful because of everything that's going on but it, why and once you start sort of drilling down you might find that perhaps this is not something that I necessarily need to feel overly stressful about this better understanding of how our mind works this is a self-awareness Yes, can help us appreciate the behavior that we are sort of exhibiting or allow us to more effectively respond to it. So rather than at the moment, I feel stressed, I feel panicked. So I'm going to go out and go, you know, and and buy all the toilet paper in the supermarket. If you were stopped to reflect, okay, why am I feeling stressed? Okay. I'm feeling stressed because of this. What can I do to sort of calm me down? And that sort of self-awareness can help us weather, um, the situation that we're going through the situation that a lot of people are going
1: through okay what i'm getting from you especially from this self-awareness is you're asking uh, very important questions that can help me answer why i'm feeling in a particular way mm-hmm. do you have more of these questions because you know these are not common questions that have I've been given or probably our environment has been given
0: sure let me share some of these Things that you can begin to ask yourself, particularly, as you said, to develop your self-awareness and uh, your self-management.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Okay, so when dealing with stressful situations I've already talked about this. Yes. Stop, reflect, think about what is going through and how you can perhaps react differently to it. Okay, mm-hmm. the minute you start feeling this unpleasant emotion of stress, stop, think, reflect, what can I do differently?
1: Okay, so ask what can I do differently when I'm feeling, okay, for lack of a better word, let me just say weird. If I feel not optimum, if I feel bad, how can I feel differently? Okay.
0: Okay. Here's something else that you can sort of ask yourself. What am I doing about my diet? That might be contributing to the fact that I feel... So, did you know that?
1: Wow, no, no. That
0: what you are eating at home might be feeding into this anxiety that you're feeling,
1: okay? How so?
0: Uh, well, again, I'm not a nutritionist, but without getting into it, obviously, if you're eating a lot of processed foods, okay. if you're eating a lot of sort of food that has been shown that is not going to be good for you in terms of your body, mm. then that might be increasing your feelings of anxiety or stress. So, you know, obviously, being smart, eating a little bit more of the healthier fruits and vegetables and things like that. As to eating, you know, more of the smokies and I don't know what else that would eat that people, Mm. that is not, you know, good for you. Yes. Okay. I talked about setting boundaries for yourself. So what boundaries are you setting for yourself in terms of social media, TV, and the information that you're taking in? Okay. What is your environment? Okay, a lot of us are stuck at home, but... You know, are you able to go out, whether you have maybe a garden or just take a quick walk around the estate or something like that, just to sort of be in a different environment, perhaps manage your mood or your stress? So, those are some of the questions that you, again, you might need to start asking yourself in order to uh, increase your self awareness and particularly self management.
1: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. What practice can someone do apart from the boundaries, diet?
0: Okay. Yes. So with diet, and I'll just expand this question that you've asked in my answer. This is the physical aspect. I talked a little bit about thinking strategy. This is the physical strategy that you can use. Yes. So obviously drinking less alcohol, drinking a little less coffee, memo to myself, okay?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: the amount of coffee that I drink, eating sort of more nutritious whole foods, Yes. Exercising a little bit when you can, whether it's in your apartment, your house, wherever it is that you are. If you guys, as I said, going outside, maybe doing a little bit of exercise outside as well. Yes. Getting enough sleep, not staying up too late in the night, absorbing a lot of this, you know, information on the news. It's actually sleep is really important. Make sure you get in enough hours of sleep. And yeah, start some sort of, you know, meditation or mindfulness practice so that you can uh, handle this stressful situation better.
1: And uh, would you mind talking about maybe what do you mean by meditation and mindfulness practice? You know, that's not really common. Uh, I really haven't had anyone who's taught me how to meditate in school or growing up or at church. What do you mean by meditation or mindfulness practice? (laughs) Maybe just so the basic, is, maybe like a one-on-one, yes. yeah, introduction. What, what would I need to so, do then?
0: Okay. So, I, I mean, this is, this is a whole podcast episode on, it's on mindfulness and meditation. Okay. But what it is, it's just some sort of mental training practice mm. that involves breathing, an awareness of your body and your mind and relaxing your muscles, your bodies, and doing it in a way that is a little bit structured. So we call it guided so it can be—it's a, a guided practice. Typically, you'd have somebody else guiding you through these techniques to control your breathing, to relax your body, to focus on certain parts of your your body. And this has been shown to decrease stress and anxiety, uh, and even things like inflammation in your body. So this is a whole practice that a lot of people have, and successful people at that. That do this around the world, from athletes to top business people to people in the world of entertainment. And they use this to be able to, you know, not just achieve this sort of state of calm, but particularly to people who need to focus and they need focus in order to become the best at what they're doing. So as an athlete, you need to be able to focus In order for you to become a top sports person, whatever sport you're playing, or in business, you sort of need this focus to be able to lead your team through crisis. So this sort of practice can also, as I said, help with stress and anxiety and even help you focus perhaps on the things that are the positives out of the situation that we're going through. But as I said, it involves a lot. And this would be, I think, an entirely new topic on a podcast that we can talk about because there's so much that is involved in it. But basically, it's just taking all of these swelling thoughts in your brain as your mind is racing and sort of calming it on to focus.
1: Okay, so I'm holding you up to that. Our next podcast session, it'll be a full in-depth, like you said, I guess just like the way we are taught language or whatever subject through a teacher. It can help facilitate learning what this meditation and mindfulness is. Like you said, getting the brain to learn how to be calm. Wow, I'm, I'm really excited about this.
0: Yes, well, I'm not. A, I'm, I'm certainly not a mindfulness expert. It's something that I try to incorporate in in my life. But I'm sure it's a, an, would be an interesting conversation.
1: Yes. So now as we are talking about this self-management, self-awareness, you've given us some of the questions we can ask ourselves, things we can pay attention to at home. Would you mind uh, just talking a little bit now since we're at home, some of us have kids at home and we're used to having the kids at school, but now they're constantly ever present and we have to facilitate their learning. How can parents or guardians or adult figures who are in this situation manage to balance this because this is pretty new?
0: Okay, so <laughs> that is a question that um, I'm sure every parent is trying to figure out as they're dealing with this. I think the challenge is going to be if you still have to work, working from home, Yes. And your you have your children or the kids at home. How do you best manage that situation? And I think part of this has to do with being able to create some of those boundaries that i spoke about uh, earlier so whether it's creating a space for yourself if you're lucky enough and you have a spare room or if you're lucky enough if you have some area of you know whether it's a living room that you can work there without being interrupted it's about having a conversation perhaps with your partner and even with the children if they're old enough so that you're able to work uninterrupted so all of these things it's practical and it will change from household to household. But it is incumbent on you, I think, to be able to create that environment in order for you to be able to, you know, whether it's work or hold meetings or do the things that uh, will enable you to be able to get through this, uh, this situation that we are I
1: think this is one of the tips you had mentioned, uh, or rather one of the strategies, environmental, with the exception of creating the boundaries, what else can we do with the environment to help us during these times?
0: So when we talk about the environment, these are obviously the more practical things that you can do. We've been told about washing our hands, avoiding touching our faces, but even structuring your day, you know? So. And maybe this is also an answer to the last question that you asked. Getting up at a regular time, almost as if it's a work day, putting on your clothes as if you are going to work, that sort of structure to your day, having your breakfast at the same time every day, structuring your email, You know, structuring you know when your calls are going to be in the meetings, just as if you would on a regular day as if we're going to work. Okay, And being able to office you know, do this with your teams or with your boss. Setting aside a part of the day when you can go outside for a short while and do something, obviously maintaining the social distancing, but doing something <laughs> that you enjoy outdoors, even if it's just taking a quick walk around the neighborhood or, um, you know, some push-ups in your garden, whatever the case might be, or on your balcony, okay? But as I said, structuring it. And don't just sort of be a slave to the whims of whatever takes you out. You know, literally structure. If you're going to spend time with the kids or the children, a time of the day when you're going to spend time with them, that's a positive thing. And then, you know, as I said earlier, separating your workspace uh, from other areas, that sort of thing.
1: Wow, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, also one of the things I've just been curious about that I noticed uh, in your material, which doesn't seem to be obvious, but sometimes we do practice it, sometimes we don't, is demonstrating empathy. Would you mind talking a little bit about that?
0: Oh yeah, empathy is huge when it comes to what we are what we are going through, and um, this empathy is really about knowing that you're not the only person who's going through through this. Mm. Obviously. It's It's not just you, it's your neighbor. It's not just your neighbor, it's also your boss. It's not just your boss, it's also the government. So rather than pointing fingers, which is easy to do when you feel fearful, when we talk about empathy, we're really talking about being able to put yourself in the shoes of the other person and thinking about that person first, if at all, rather than just about myself and my ego. So it's the ability to sort of relate to what the other person might be going through. And more than just sympathy, which is the ability to understand, is see it from other people's perspective. Actually, that's one of the key things. It's about seeing this thing from the perspective of a government that's trying to calm a nation down, from a boss who's trying to still keep the, the team going, from a... A partner who is also stuck in the house with you from the kids who are cooped up in the home. And this development of empathy is, I, I would say here are some three key questions that you should ask yourself. Yes. Okay. Number one, understanding the needs of other people first. Okay. Mm. Understanding the needs of other people. Asking, why would somebody either behave or react that particular way. So literally, if you put yourself from, and seeing it from their perspective, why are they acting or reacting this way? You know, maybe there's a good reason why they're doing this. And then showing sort of an understanding, because it's one thing to know why they're acting that way, but to understand, understand this is the reason why they're also, why they feel this way, why they think this way, about this particular, this given situation.
1: Wow. And that's powerful.
0: And then particularly, I, I, I like to talk about empathy from the, the viewpoint of uh, leadership. So when you incorporate empathy into your leadership sort of style, it's knowing that the people who work for you or the, the team, your team members will understand if you make a mistake because you're empathetic as opposed to temperamental. And, uh, and it also helps you sort of develop a closer relationship with people that you work with. And when you have that closer relationship and people are able to Sort of, I guess it allows team members to work
1: together more powerfully. Yeah. And and even what I'm getting from it, this is even a, a game changer right here, because even as a parent, instead of just saying, ah, why is my kid acting out or why did my kid do this? If you just put yourself, you know, remember how kids are, you are a kid also. You can remember that kids don't fully understand, you know, they don't have full control over their body and their emotions. And You know, sometimes they're hiding. You can start asking, oh, why are they hiding? Are they being bullied? Is there someone that's being a threat to them? And even you can use the same technique for your partner, whether it's, you know, male or female. Why would she be angry? Why would he be angry? Why would he not talk to me? Why would she not talk to me? And even this has now made me humble to realize even with the government, they're just trying to do their best with what they have in the given situation. It could be easy for me to point out Failures in healthcare and hospitals and all that, but now is not the time to be doing that. Now is the time to be asking, what could I do maybe to help support the situation? The the, the obvious failings are there, but it's not me to. How can I help? I think that's what now this empathy is helping me see clearly, so that I can participate yeah. in supporting.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are people who look at talking about partners who look at this situation in two ways. One, your relationship is going to fracture. You guys are stuck in the house for the next God knows how long. And you know, you're going to end up killing each other. But actually, (laughs) this is an opportunity for you to practice this particular skill of empathy. It can actually tighten the bond with your partner, particularly being in close quarters. Because what is more difficult (laughs) than understanding why that person who you're in close quarters with is behaving the way that they do or they do this same thing over and over again that is driving you nuts yes so look at it that way all right and you also talked about being an empathetic parent in fact there's a style of parenting called empathetic parenting Mm. and again this is at the heart of emotional intelligence we talk about this at a lot about helping your child feel heard understood listen to them uh apologize for that there was um i heard this very powerful uh, i was actually listening to uh, a webinar the other day and the person was talking about developing focus and they were talking about how they actually started focusing on focus as a sort of area of expertise through one simple thing they were sitting down with their child and i think their child was trying to explain something very important to them that had happened at school and this man happened to be distracted. So he picked up his phone and he looked at his phone and his child is trying to explain this sort of very important thing that happened to them during their day at school. And their child walked off. And when he, you know, stopped looking at his phone and looked up, you know, wow. the child had walked off and he realized he had missed a moment of connecting with his young child. And that's when he started now focusing on this thing. In fact, he calls it "in distraction." He made up this, this word. And, uh, and that was a beginning because that small opportunity of listening to your child, facing them, sitting them down, look at them in the eye, listening with all of your senses. That is the beginning of, of empathy as a parent. And wow. particularly children are very attuned to that. They know immediately when you're distracted you're not listening to them and you're wandered off because you something on your phone or something else that's caught your attention.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, it makes me realize those jokes. Are you listening to me? Like, yeah, yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, yeah. but but the power of asking that question they really it's not just the physical you being there but you being fully attentive mm-hmm. and maybe now this comes to something probably we've not learned how to do properly but we've always been told that we need to listen and i think there's a there's a part that uh, talks in your material about uh, mindful listening what does that mean
0: so mindfulness goes back to the mindfulness that I had mentioned to you earlier. So there are certain exercises that we do, particularly those of us who are in this space of emotional intelligence, which is to be able to be present the moment, to develop the empathy that we're talking about, and uh, exercises. So, for example, there's uh, this mindful listening. Okay, I won't necessarily get into the exercises because those are more practical. But for example, focusing your attention on what somebody is saying, mm. and it, it happens to the best of us. You know, somebody's talking to you and your mind is simply wondering Is that person is frankly boring or it wanders off into, you know, thinking about the response rather than actually listening to them. This mindfulness is about bringing your mind back to the present. Actually listen to your customer or to your partner or to your child when they're talking to you. You've got to practice shutting out everything and simply bringing yourself back into the present. This is what we call mindful listening. And uh, you know that obviously comes with some of the things people know when you're listening because you're nodding, you're asking the right questions, you're making certain facial expressions, that sort of thing. Yes. And then just be aware that your mind will wander. That's just the way the mind works, and just bringing <laughs> it back into the present.
1: Wow! Wow! This is a lot to digest. Now I see why you have to have a session where you know, apart just from the information, you have to give activities to be able to incorporate all these uh, teachings because it's not a common practice where can people find you so they can reach out to you if, if they need to find out more about this information
0: as much as I am practicing my boundaries I am available on certain social media profiles the most prominent I think of which is on LinkedIn yes so I'll give my name if you type my name in Google or LinkedIn Or on Twitter, that's prominently where you can find me. Okay. Uh, And that's Derek, that's D-E-R-E-K. Last name is Banga, that's double B-A-N-G-A. So if you type that name in on LinkedIn or on Twitter, then that's the easiest way of getting in touch with me. And I'm happy to be able to engage with you. Talk a little bit more about, particularly how we can enhance our psychological well-being during these trying times.
1: All right, uh, thank you very much for that. And on a lighter note, you know the name Bang already has that, you know, bang to it. Do you need to add an extra B for emphasis? I think two Bs
0: <laughs> are more than enough. You can imagine growing up. That name was the source of, uh, shall we say, amusement for <laughs> a lot of my contemporaries <laughs> as, I was, as I was growing up. Yes. It's an unusual spelling, um, but uh, I have grown to love and embrace it.
1: Yes, it's an, it's an unusual name. In fact, uh, I don't think I've come across a, a Kenyan name that's a, that has double letters like that at the beginning. Is that a Kenyan name?
0: Well, the nothing gets by you Andrew. you're a shop <laughs> as a t- <laughs> uh, but you're right i mean that is not uh, it's not a kenyan name i will leave it to your listeners to okay. do a little research and homework where that name comes
1: from okay so for now i can assume that you're a pointy that you're half kenyan oh, half something else
0: is, is that the term the cool kids are using yes I think I, uh, can,
1: I, yeah. I think that's my phrase for, for anyone who comes from two different backgrounds.
0: Although, sorry to bring this to something that, uh, again, maybe a little bit more. You know, somebody was asked that question, where are you from? And today he said, my response is, I am from Earth. We're all global citizens. <laughs> yes.
1: Where
0: are you from? I'm from Earth. Well, that <laughs> is that. Virus. Yes, yeah. Well,
1: well, that's very true. But you see what I've come to appreciate about uh, being human is this different sounds, flavors, environment. For me, it's like being in a in a bakery. You know, it's easy to say that, yeah, pastries are sweet. But it's the, the way the pastry smells, sweet texture. I never knew combinations like that could happen. So I'm appreciating your different and unique flavor because there's no other flavor like you. Uh, well,
0: you are too kind, That uh, I will take that as a compliment. Thank you.
1: Since, uh, you know, a lot of us are on lockdown, I like to have this session to discover more media that's out there and more things that I can enhance my learning with. So I know you might not have these answers off the top of uh, your head, but whatever comes to at this point now, what are three movies that you're watching, three books that you're reading, and three songs that are currently on replay right now?
0: Okay, Andrew, here's what I will do. Yeah. I will give you one in each category. Okay. Now, just like everybody else, my Netflix subscription is paid up to. I'm watching, I think, a different series almost every evening. But I will tell you what I have discovered. And I just discovered this yesterday. So I'm happy to share this with you. Yes. There is a documentary called Mm. DELT. That is spelled,
1: yeah, D- E A L T. Ooh, I just started watching it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> this
0: will blow you away.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. don't right? It's blown me away. Yeah, but let, let me have your experience of it. You can sh- free to sh- to share a little bit. Well,
0: I, don't, I mean I don't want to give it away because obviously you know if you give away then you sort of ruin it for everybody. But it does. Yeah, don't
1: give, don't give don't give don't, uh, describe enough to to whet someone's appetite but not to give away details.
0: Okay, this is about one of the world's greatest, uh, I guess, card magicians. That's what you can call him? Yes. About the life and career of this gentleman. He's a card magician or a card mechanic.
1: Yes, he, he, calls, calls himself. yes he calls himself a card mechanic.
0: But he, he's, uh, his life story is, as I said, about, you know, this adversity and about how you, it doesn't matter what hand you've been dealt with. Literally. <laughs> True. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, you asked for a book. So I will give you a book. Now, again, books are, are so many out there, particularly as you know, I like books on self-development or mm-hmm. books on personal growth. This one more than ever, Tools of Titans, by the Mm. one and only Tim Ferriss.
1: Yes, yes. Which
0: again, he talks to, you know, successful people around the world, you know, in all spheres of life and the tools and the tips that they do. So every chapter is sort of gives you something that you can either apply or use or take away to make your, to live your best life. Really enjoying that.
1: Yes. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. And the one song that I think that I'm listening to, I would recommend. So for me, particularly when you go through times like this, I always look for something that is going to, um, almost remind me of better days. So mm. The things that I, and, and those those better days, frankly, were my youth. So the songs that I grew up on or the songs that I listened to when life was carefree. <laughs> <laughs> and the album of my youth yes, is... Michael Jackson, off the wall.
1: Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> Michael Jackson, off the wall. So I've always been a huge Michael Jackson fan, regardless of whatever is the latest exposes have said. But this album to me has always been my favorite album. It's uh, it's a, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. 1979, off the wall, Michael Jackson. Every song is, as they say, a club banger. I mean, er, I mean, literally wow. every song is like a top ten.
1: Wow. And I like how you put that in there. I I I heard what you what you did there, club banger.
0: <laughs>
1: As I said, there's
0: n- nothing that gets by
1: you. <laughs> wow! Thank you for for uh, for sharing. That's me. what I'm listening to. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what are just some words of uh, you know some some last words that you could share with us before we go?
0: Well, I mean, listen, I'm going to just. Sort of echo what everybody else is saying. We're in this together. We will get through it. Uh, hang in there, and uh, you know, all will be well.
1: Thank you very, th- thank thank you very much for that. My guest has been Derek Banger, and uh, thank you very much. Your your information has been very life changing. I've learned a lot. If if you have learned anything from this conversation, please do share one takeaway in the comment section below so that everyone can get to share whatever learning that we're getting from one another. Because I'm sure every single person is learning something different from this conversation. And we appreciate anything that you may share that may make each other's life much better. Thank you very much for my guest, Derek Banger. And uh, yes, looking forward to having another conversation soon. I'm looking forward to it, Andrew. Take care. Be safe. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast with Derek Banger, please send him a quick shout out on Twitter at Derek Banger with a double B. If you have learned something from this episode, please do share with me one takeaway from the episode on my Twitter handle at revenge underscore gods. If this show has impacted your life in any sort of way, please do subscribe to Revenge of the Forsaken Gods on any of the podcast platforms that are available. And please do leave a review so that we can continue to grow this to become bigger and better. Thank you and until next week.